Good evening. That was pathetic. Good evening. Much better. Thank you. It's good to be with you. I always look forward to being at Emmanuel Baptist. I had the privilege of being at Friendship Baptist Church in Rome this morning and then here tonight. So it's a pretty unique thing that I get to be in two of my favorite churches in the same day. So I, uh, I'm enjoying myself, to say the least. We are delighted to be here, and sorry that your pastor's not here. I always enjoy fellowshipping with him and his wife, but I understand he's gone. And then Mr. Kenny is gone as well. I miss seeing him, and I look forward always to fellowshipping with him as well. But we're glad you're here. You came. It is a holiday weekend. Uh, tomorrow is Columbus Day. No mail, no banks, etc., uh, Columbus Day is being changed by some to be called Indigenous People Day, which, you know, one of those things we're tearing down our heroes and lifting up others, and it's just kind of a strange, topsy-turvy year. This is an election year. The election is actually uh, November 8th, so less than, 30, less than a month away. The Democrats have decided that the main issue for them is to defend abortion rights. And they are calling Republicans extremists for the extreme belief that uh, the baby inside the womb is a baby. Uh, I think that's reason enough to vote for the Republicans. The uh, Republicans are using crime and the rising crime rate. We have a real problem. Uh, we ought to, you understand, that our hope really is not in who wins the White House or who wins the Congress, control of Congress. I think it's important. It's an important election. I, I hope we have a change in governors because she wants to make our state the abortion capital of the world. I think that's a horrible idea, and uh, I, I think God's judgment is going to fall if we keep going the way we're going. But our hope is not in the governorship either. Our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's in him we trust. God's been very good to us. Barbara and I have had a good year. We've been busy. Both have, been, have stayed healthy, and we're thankful for that. I do have uh, one problem. I have cataracts, and I have to have surgery this coming month. I had to get, this is not the family Bible, this is just a large print Bible. Seems very awkward to me to have this, but uh, I can't see the print. And so uh, uh, tomorrow I have an appointment with the doctor, and then later this month, uh, Lord willing, I'll have surgery. They uh, tell me that there's three options, and the options have cost price tags to them. We'll see tomorrow what they come up with, but it could be an expensive proposition to say the least. So anyway, God, why, why do we have afflictions in our life? You ever thought about that? What I thought I'd use tonight is 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It's a very familiar portion of scripture. It's Paul's thorn in the flesh. So if you turn your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Amen. Heavenly Father, take your word now and apply it to our hearts and to our lives. 
Lord, as we look at life, oftentimes we don't understand what's going on or what's happening, and this is a troubled and mixed up world, to say the least. And once in a while, Lord, we go into times of storm in our lives, and sometimes it's confusing to us. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight, help us to understand what you're doing, help us to understand what's going on in our own life, and then to apply it to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. The Apostle Paul was probably the greatest Christian that ever lived. He is the main, uh, it's his story, primarily the work of the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul that covers the book of Acts. Nearly half the New Testament was written by inspiration of the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul. He was a great man, and he tells us in chapter 12, he knew a man, I think he's speaking of himself, that was translated into heaven. We're not sure when that happened. It may have been when he was at Lystra and Derby when he was stoned and left for dead. It may well have been that occasion that he found himself in heaven and had a vision of heaven. He doesn't really describe it other than he said, I saw things that are not lawful to be uttered. It's just not possible to describe heaven and how wonderful it's going to be. Paul was at a loss of words and simply could not describe it. But then he says, lest I be exalted above measure because of the revelations given to me. Paul very easily could have had a big head. Look at me, I'm the greatest. And so God sent a messenger, from, allowed Satan to send a messenger to afflict him. As I've studied the scriptures over the years, I've, I've found that the Bible teaches that there are several reasons why we go through times of suffering. Number one, God sometimes punishes us. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that God chastens every son that he receiveth. That means that there are going to be times when you've been disobedient where the heavenly father is going to apply the, the board of education to the seed of knowledge. There are times when you need a kick in the seed and he'll give it to you. God chastens his children. He's not neglectful. You've been in grocery stores like I have where some kid pitches a fit wanting candy or something and mom hands them whatever they want or a doctor's office. I was in a doctor's office for my eye the other day uh, a couple weeks ago and uh, they had a playroom and the nurse came out to say it's time and called the boy's name and mom got up and got to get the boy and he says, I'm not ready. Uh, no, but the, the doctor wants to see you now. You've you got to come now. I'm not ready. And the boy was allowed to stay a few minutes more and play with the toys until he got in the mood to go in and see the doctor. Well, God's not like that. He's not a neglectful father. God will not let you get away with being disobedient. Sometimes God has to do, bring suffering into our life to purify us. That's Malachi chapter 4. The Word of God talks about God treats us like silver, a refiner with silver. And sometimes what he has to do is put the heat up so that the, the dross comes to the surface and he's able to skim it off. Someone asked a refiner of silver once, how do you know when it's finished? He said, when I can see my reflection on the surface. And our Heavenly Father wants to make you conform to the image of his dear son. So he will occasionally use suffering in our life to, make, to accomplish that purpose. Amen. Sometimes God needs to push us. We get comfortable Acts 1.8, the disciples were supposed to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and the Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. But by Acts 8.1, they were still in Jerusalem. Persecution came, the church was scattered, God pushed them. Sometimes God has pushed me in my life to get me in areas where perhaps it's not my comfort zone. Barbara has had that experience this last year. She was a part of a ladies' Bible study, and 
the person that was in charge one day said, Barb, could you fill in for me for a week? So she did, and then pretty soon she's the permanent teacher. God, she's comfortable with kids. Adult women are a different thing, and she works hard to be ready. God sometimes pushes us to get us to another level. That's what we have to do. Sometimes God prepares us. David slew a lion and a bear before he took on a giant, remember? God prepares us for the battle that's down the road, and he knows what's ahead. Sometimes suffering comes into our life to prevent us, and that's the case here in the Apostle Paul's case. We know because he told us, lest I be exalted above measure. There was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan. Now, God is not the author of this particular thing. God just allowed it. We see this kind of scenario in the book of Job, where Job comes before God and says, God says, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan says, yes, but does Job serve you for nothing? You put a wall around him and protected him. If you took the things that he had, then he would curse you and die. God says, all right, you can, you can take his things, but you can't take his life. Satan is an enemy. He's our enemy. He's your enemy. He hates us. He wants to destroy us. He wants to disrupt your family. He wants to ruin your church. He wants to destroy everything about you. But he's on a rope. He's a, like a dog on a rope. He can only go so far and only as far as God will allow him. But sometimes God, God does allow him to do things, and he did in the case of, of Paul. Sometimes we just, well, sometimes to promote us. Sooner or later, you're going to die. It's the point that a man wants to die. If the Lord tarries, one of us, one day we're going to die. Barb's mom lived with us for four years, and occasionally she would walk up to the calendar, me thumbing through the calendar, and I'd say, Mom, what are you doing? What are you looking for? And she'd say, well, I, I want to see when I'm going to die. She had a little dementia, and we'd have to say, well, Mom, that's, that's not on the calendar. We don't know when that is. But, you know, eventually you're going to go to the doctor, or he's going to say, I'm sorry, there's nothing more we can do, or, or you're going to be in a car accident, or you're going to have a heart attack, or something. And dying is really not easy. So there's some suffering that's involved in that. And sometimes we just don't know. I call that puzzlement. Sometimes we just don't know why. Why am I going through this storm? Why am I going through this difficulty? Why is this happening? Well, sometimes it's because of our own choices. Sometimes it's the choices of others. Uh, Paul was under, house, was under arrest and was being transported to Rome. He had a vision that the, from message from God that the ship was going to go down. So he told the centurion, the ship's going to sink. God's told me the ship is going to sink. Centurion listened to the captain who said, oh, we can make it fine. It was the choice of others. It wasn't Paul's choice. It was the choice of somebody else. And then sometimes it's just circumstances. We're in the wrong place at the wrong time. But in all of that, God simply says, I want you to trust me. Amen. That is the story of Job. When I was a boy, my dad broke his leg. I was 13 years old. We almost lost the farm after that. He was nine months in a cast. It was a very severe, almost lost his leg. And during that whole time, my dad every day would read the book of Job. So I read it as a 13-year-old kid, and I didn't get it. Job never really... God never really tells Job why. 
maybe afterwards, because Job may have been the author, but we don't know. He didn't know about that conversation with, with God and Satan. He, he didn't know, you know, all of what was going on. He, he trusts God, and there's some wonderful gems there, but the message at the end, God, when he speaks, just says, were you there when I created the earth? Were you there when I did? Were you my advisor? He asks a whole series of questions, and Job finally says, okay, I get it. What did you get, Job? You have to trust God even when you don't understand. That's the hard one. Now, in this passage of Scripture, the first thing we note is Job's problem, or Paul's problem. And that problem was a thorn in the flesh. What was that? Some speculate that Paul had malaria. Malaria is a disease that if you have it, you never know when you're going to have an outbreak of it. You continue to have it the rest of your life. Some believe that it was epilepsy. Epilepsy causes you to have seizures. Certainly would have been an embarrassment to the apostle to be preaching in a church and suddenly go into an epileptic seizure. Uh, recently, I was at a pastor's fellowship and had a horrible experience. I had stopped at Oswego and got some Mexican food. Before the service, during the service, my stomach was doing a war. At the end of the service, I felt queasy, went in the bathroom and upchucked. Then I went out to fellowship. I thought I was okay and went out to fellowship and we're in the auto, you know, having pie and all that stuff. I didn't eat anything and all of a sudden, oh, ran to the bathroom again and bleh, all over the, you know, it's very, and then we're supposed to spend the night at a woman's house strangers out. I didn't know her. And, and I, I said, Barb, let's just go home. She said, no, you're not driving in your condition. You're going to stay here. Besides that, I'm supposed to preach in the morning. So, okay, we got to the woman's house. The woman said, oh, it's okay. Don't worry. It, you know, we're fine. I'm fine with it. You know, I'm feeling like a creep. And got to her house, walked right to the couch, had a bag, and boy, I filled the bag again. I slept on the couch. She didn't know I slept on the couch. <laughs> That's terrible. You know, anything like that, why does that happen? Why does that? Well, Paul said sometimes it happens to humble us. Being sick is pretty humbling, isn't it? I mean, you think you're strong and mighty and bang. You know, you, you don't have the strength to get out of bed or you can't hold food down or you have a fever and feel like you're burning up, and well, it's, it's all humbling. It really does humble you. So Paul says, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there is given unto me a thorn in the flesh. Perhaps God doesn't tell us what it is so we can apply it to our own life, whatever we're facing. Now, it seems to me that there's a difference between thorns and storms. Storms in our life are temporary. Thorns in our life seem to be permanent. So Paul tells us of his prayer in the next verse, verse 8, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. So the apostle prayed, God, take this thing from me. And God said, no. It's hard sometimes when God says no. When you pray, you and I pray, there's three possibilities. Well, maybe four. First of all, God does what we ask. That's nice. I like that one. Sometimes God denies 
what we asked. And sometimes God delays what we ask. And then when God says no, he does answer, but he answers differently. So the answer becomes different than what we expected or what we thought we were going to get. In this case, God said no. How do you react when God says no? Some Christians get bitter. They become angry at God. God, this is unfair. Why am I being treated like this? I have several pastor friends that when I call them and ask them how they're doing, have the standard answer, better than I deserve. And if you think about it, doesn't God treat you better than you deserve? If we got what we deserve, we'd be in big trouble. Big trouble. God's answer was no, but God gave a promise. My grace is sufficient for thee. Isn't it wonderful to know that God gives us the grace that we need to face the challenges of our lives? And just the right grace. Now, there's, uh, Peter talks about the manifold grace of God. Grace is unmerited favor. God's riches at Christ's expense, someone has said is a definition. And it's a good definition. God is good to us, even though we don't deserve it. That's grace. God does not give us what we do deserve, but gives us what we do not deserve. Grace. Grace to f- meet the need. The manifold grace of God is a wonderful thing. And part of that, grace, is only understood when you need it. I've been with people that died. I've been at their bedside when they've died. And I've seen the manifold grace of God, dying grace. But I haven't experienced that. I've just seen it. There are other graces that you need, and God simply says, I will take care of your need. My grace is sufficient for thee. So Paul gives us his perspective in the last part of the verse. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul says it's better for me to have this thorn in the flesh than to not have it and not have the power of Christ. Paul expresses what I believe every Christian, that we might know him in the power of his rest, that we might know him might enter into the fellowship of his sufferings and the power of his resurrection. God wants to take care of your needs. God wants to meet your needs. But you have to let him. You have to believe. You have to be careful lest a root of bitterness spring up and by it many be defiled, including yourself. If you're going through a time of suffering, the good news is it'll pass. If you have a thorn in the flesh, something is more permanent. God's grace is still sufficient for you. Amen. He will meet your need. My wife and I are getting older, and we're facing a little more pains, aches and pains, than we ever had before. Barb has rheumatoid arthritis. It's settled down in her hip right now, and she's having a rough time sitting much of the time. And when we're driving, sometimes it's painful for her. I have aches and pains. I get up in the morning and some things hurt that I didn't even know were around. But, you know, God says, my grace is sufficient for thee. My grace. When I was going through 
a storm, the worst storm of my life. A pastor friend wrote me a note. He now is with the Lord. He passed away on September 11th of this year. His name was Maynard Belt. Maynard wrote this note. Andrew Murray wrote these words while going through a severe trial. First, he brought you here. It is by his will that you are in this, I am in this straight place. On that fact, I will rest. Next, he will keep me here in his love and give me the grace to behave as his child. Then he will make the trial a blessing, teaching me the lessons he intends for me to learn and working in me the grace that he means to bestow. Last, in his good time, he can bring me out again, how and when he knows. Let me say, I am here by God's appointment, in his keeping, under his timing, for his time. And my friend wrote a note on that and said, God goes deeper than our deepest valley, is larger than our largest trial, brings delight our darkest hours, and always at his best when we're at our lowest. Stay in the word, search and guard your heart, trust in the days ahead as you have in the past, God may be up to something that you would have never thought. Sometime after reading that, I wrote, There is no storm that God will not carry you through, no bridge that God will not help you cross, no battle that God will not help you win. Therefore, trust God and never, never give up. We're in a battle. Life can be tough. You may have a thorn, you may be going through a storm, but God's grace is sufficient. I love the verse that says, underneath are the everlasting arms. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege we have to be with you and know you as our Savior and Lord. And when we face life's trials, we know that your grace is sufficient for us, and that you have a plan and a purpose for our life, and that all things work together for our good because we're those called to your purpose, that we might be conformed to the image of your dear Son. Heavenly Father, I pray for Christians that are perhaps going through trials. I pray, God, that you would help them to see the grace of God and to trust you even when they don't understand. In Jesus' name, amen.